Very good. <laughs> you gotta put All that staying in. in. All staying in. Hello and welcome to our second ever episode. Like a Spanish striker with space to run into, we are miles offside. I am Oscar Puente and with me on the other line... He's not quite sure whether it's pronounced Jared Leto or Jared Leto, but he sure is excited for the new Joker movie. It's Chuck Bailey. How dare you? <laughs> Hello, Oscar. Hello. How are you, mate? You well? I'm quite good. And yeah. with us on the other line, he's probably listening to Shed 7 and living his best life. It's Ian Stimson. How do, Oscar? You've been monitoring my Twitter feed, have you? I sure have. We follow each other. Yeah, that's a bit stalkerish. I like that. Well, he tweets like once a day, so it's not that hard to keep up with. <laughs> uh, uh, as always, Ian will be providing feedback, keeping me and Chuck in line, and uh, producing. He's the one that does all the hard work on this. He made us sound very good last week, so thank you for that, Ian. Yes, very no good job. Uh, how are you guys doing? How's everybody doing this week? Yeah, not too, not too shabby. It's been it's been quite cool, like getting a getting our recording out there into the world and and having some people listen to it it's quite surreal eh? yeah definitely really exciting really weird um pretty sure most of the downloads are my mom and her friends but hi mom yeah tell her thank you but no i appreciate the fact that you since clearly stalking our, our twitter profiles that you picked up on Something that's not too bad for for Ian, you know, listening to Shed Seven, and then uh, yeah, focusing on my love for Jared Leto and the Joker movie. That's going to be great. Yeah, how are you? How, do you have your tickets yet? Are you very very excited for that? Um, absolutely fucking not. Um, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, fuck that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not a big. Wasn't a big fan of. Uh, DC and Jared Leto's horrendous Joker. Pretty yeah. bad, pretty pretty emo, pretty terrible. Yeah, no right. Just a laugh. Oh, yeah, well, everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how about your World Cup fever, gentlemen? How's that doing? Three days to go, huh? Is it three? Fucking hell, yeah, three days. Jesus, that snuck up quick, eh? Last last week since we recorded, like it's just gone like that. And I think my my fever's kind of going peaks and troughs at the minute because it's almost like, you know, I get super excited and see a video or obviously setting up like a work sweepstake or something like that. So it gets super excited and I almost forget about it. I don't know whether that's just because of the England thing still. Um, what about, yeah, what about you, Stimmers, from uh, on a scale of mild seasonal allergies to very severe cholera? How's your fever doing? Um, I've probably got a rash that... <laughs> no, no, we don't want to hear about I that. Don't know where I'm asking I... about oh, the okay, World fine. Cup. Um, <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, no, okay. It, uh, it's pretty high, but then I look at the first... See the first game and it's Russia-Saudi Arabia and that that dampens it down a little bit. It sure does. And uh, England don't play till Monday. Yeah, Russia-Saudi Arabia is the only game on Thursday, right? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. yeah. So that's Good. not not the most exciting one. I might pass on that. No, no, but I'll tick that in the knowledge box that I got one right this week. Thank you <laughs> very much. Yeah, it's not the most kind of blistering start. Yeah, but you know who might get off to a blistering start? Yeah. 
is Brazil and Group E. How about that for a transition? Group E, seamless once again. This is why you should be the host, mate. Uh, so in Group E, we have Brazil. Mm-hmm. We have Costa Rica, Serbia, and Switzerland. So Swi- what jumps out of there for you? Well, Switzerland, as we learned last week, ranked 10th in the world, aren't they? 8th, something like that. So uh, not them. Um on a personal level, Serbia jump out to me a bit because being a Crystal Palace fan, Luka Milivojevic is our is our only rep at this uh, World well Cup. Well taken, sir. Thank you very much. Is yes. the no? Don't is uh, uh, Mile Jedinak please for Australia? Uh, well, he's not a Palace player anymore. He's, oh, he's not. Aston Villa, and I oh, right. think I don't know if his contract is going to get um, restarted. I mean, you could technically say that Ruben Loftus Cheek is a Palace. Player. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. He is a Chelsea player. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was going to say we never really brought it up last week, but it, if it wasn't obviously apparent, myself being a Crystal Palace fan, Oscar being a Chelsea fan, and uh, Ian much contributing to the World Cup fever being a Peterborough fan. I have to be very casual to be a Peterborough fan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I I kind of like the look of this group. I think it, it it's quite interesting. Costa Rica obviously at the last World Cup causing a lot of heartache to England. Um be it seeing as how, you know, as we mentioned last time, England were kind of put in a group of death and they thought it was all about England, Uruguay and Italy, but Costa Rica went unbeaten in that group yep now it's the same team very the kind of an aging squad and believe it or not joel campbell who still plays up front for them who i believe still plays for arsenal got bought after the last world cup no he, he got bought off off the back of the last world cup and he still plays for arsenal but you you would never believe it wow um, that is a deep cut mm insight tick number two well and the other thing with costa rica too is that they were one of the teams that kept the u.s out of it coming from our conference and so they're kind of overperforming already given how old their squad is um so i but i'll definitely be rooting against them for taking our spot (laughs) did they specifically take the usa spot uh, you know, honestly, I've tried to forget as much of that qualification as possible, so I couldn't even tell you what the table was. Yeah. I've just burned that all out of my memory. So does it make it quite hard for you now, seeing as how USA held France to a one-all draw? You know, I didn't even watch that match because I want nothing to do with the US team right now. And it was a B-squad anyway, it was all youth. But France didn't look good, I guess. I'm, I'm guessing you watched that match. Um, I didn't. I've, I've seen like a, a small piece of the highlights, and France didn't exactly put out like a major B team. Like like you said, USA really put out a young squad. I don't know if that's because you know because they didn't get into this World Cup, um, they're they're kind of restarting the whole thing. But I mean, the USA goal um, kind of showed like the weaknesses in Larice's game. Yeah. Because it was kind of a pot shot, kind of on the turn from I can't remember the name of the the USA player who scored Julian, it. Julian Julian Green. Julian Gr- Green, that was it. And um, yeah, he kind of turned and had a pot shot and went through Mendy and kind of beat Lloris at the near post, which was doesn't really bode well for the France team, especially considering we were so hot on them um, and they got booed off at half time. Yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty hot on France to be honest. 
because I just think they're the most talented squad, like even above Brazil and Germany. Yeah. And, uh, and Belgium, they just have like the most talented players. But it's what we talked about last week. It's a figuring out where to put them all and what the lineup needs to be to yeah, maximize exactly. their effectiveness. Um, because they still don't really know what to do with Griezmann. They did mm-hmm. run out that midfield three that I had talked about with Kante, Matuidi, and Pogba. But yep. Griezmann was kind of central, kind of wide from what I read. Um, and Griezmann and Giroud in at the same time is kind of tough for them. Yeah, and Giroud took a knock to the head and is Yeah, he's on concussion sketchy. protocol now. Oh, right. Yeah, that's not good. So you you wonder about that kind of thing, you know, with one-man teams. And you see, for example, bringing it back to Group E. So you, you see Brazil and you see how much losing Neymar in the last World Cup when um, basically Colombia players were effectively assassinating him on the pitch and broke his spine... I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was in the quarterfinals. And as such, they then went on to, to lose to Germany 7-1. Do you think if a similar kind of thing happens at this World Cup, it, it could have an effect on them? Or do you think they've kind of hardened up a bit and realized not to rely so much on one player? I think given that they've been playing with him for a while, he's been out since for a long time with PSG because he had a real mm. big injury. They have managed really well to mitigate the effect of that injury um, with players like Coutinho, Gabriel Jesus, Firmino, um, Casemiro, who's not quite as attacking but is really vital to the way that they play in the central midfield. He's like the holding midfielder, but he Mm -hmm. bridges that gap, and I think he's creating a lot of opportunities for the guys up front. I think that even if Neymar wasn't healthy – they would still be making a lot of noise at this World Cup. I think they have a lot of very talented young players who can do a lot. And then when you bring Neymar back into that. He's an obscene player. Um, It's just whether, because he is such an icon now, uh, especially in Brazil, being as how he's... I think he's Brazil's third highest scoring player ever when he's 25, 26. I think he's... The other day he scored and he's he's now on 55 goals for the national team. And I think only Pele and the eponymous Ronaldo are the only ones that are ahead of him, which is is mental for a guy of his age. So you can understand why they're kind of so so hot on him, and the fact that it, it made such a seemingly made such a big effect at the last World Cup. And I just I worry if the if the same could potentially happen, especially playing against Granite Xhaka. <laughs> Neymar has changed his game a little bit as well. I mean, he does do a bit more tracking back and doing things for the team rather than just sitting out front all the time. He has changed it up a bit. Mm. Yeah, I think those years at Barcelona were really good for him to sort of develop him as a more complete player. Um, But I do wonder if going back to PSG and the statement that makes about wanting to be the biggest fish, even if it means being at a smaller club, um, what that means about the way he wants to play versus the way he's been willing to play for the last few years. Yeah. but I, I really like Brazil. I think they're, they've got to be – I mean, obviously, this isn't like a controversial thing to say, but they've got to be one of the favorites. They just have so many good players. That, that to me, like the way that they've been good even without Neymar mm. is so impressive. And then, again, you bring them in, back into that, and it's just – like they're going to dominate this group. Um, yeah. You, you, you can't see any way around that. And, that, and they should. And, and there's – you know, there's it, – it's incredible when you have a team like that that – you know, at every single World Cup, they are top of the discussion every single time. 
because they just produce such a great team. You look at their team now and even you saying, you know, about them being young and players that you think, oh, might not get involved or whatever. Say, for example, like William, who you put him in, he could play for any Premier League side in the starting eleven and be incredible. And then you, you take him to Brazil and it's like, no, he can, you know, potentially start, but more than likely be on the bench and what have you. So it's just, and they're it's such an incredible team to watch. Yeah, they're very, very exciting going forward. They play such fantastically beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing to me about this group, the really interesting part is that battle for second place. Because I do think that it's going to be a hard-fought battle uh, between Switzerland, Costa Rica, who we already talked about, and Serbia. Yeah, I um, think so. Serbia have some very good players on there. Yeah. Uh, my boy Luka. Yep. Yeah. And when you think back to... Chelsea's big dominating season in 2014-15 when they won the the league and I think they set the record for the most days in first place that year. Uh, That was largely driven by Nemanja Matic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've got a really solid squad. It's only when you... Serbia is very much one of those nations that, uh, that I found anyway that all of a sudden you look at their team sheet and you think, oh shit, yes, of course, like... You know, you know, there's so many different Serbian nationalities, but they then just come into it and you're like, crap, they've got a great team. You know, you've got Matic, you've got Tadic, my sneaky, sneaky pick later on for Golden Boot, uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, <laughs> nice. I like that one. That's a good pick. Yeah, I think so. And uh, um, don't forget Kolarov. I don't. Yeah, Kolarov. Um, and then they've got a few guys who light up in Europe. I can't. Off the top of my head right now, I can't remember the the guy's name. He plays for Napoli, who was one of their top scoring players uh, this year. He's got a double-barreled name. But yeah, I I think similar in a way to Group C with uh, the France group, this one, it it can be a real battle for second place. And I think some really exciting games in there between teams that have have done well in the past in, in, in major tournaments. And in terms of the luck of the draw... Uh, I don't know how much effect this will have or if Brazil are just going to try to mow down every single team by running up the score, but they do have Brazil on the last day of the group. So if it comes down to an important result, everything is close between the three teams. Costa Rica and Switzerland are at least they're going to be taking points off each other mm. on the last day of the group, whereas Serbia might have Brazil and maybe Brazil will already have gone through. And who knows what could happen there. Yeah, exactly. With a team, With a team like Serbia. Yeah, who knows? I, I I really like the look of them for second place, not just for obviously personal reasons, be that gambling or, or club allegiance. But I, I I think they can really do some damage. And especially you saying that with them being against Brazil in the last game. The, the only problem is, um, and, and maybe we can go into this now with uh, Group F, is that most likely whoever comes out of second in that group is going to be facing Germany. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think none of these teams want to be in second place in terms of getting Germany, but especially Brazil. If they can avoid Germany for yeah. forever, I think they would like that very much if they never have to face Germany again. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be pushing hard to get that first place spot. Yeah, you couldn't really see past Brazil unless there's some sort of major implosion, which... In a way, a lot of people always welcome at the World Cup because you want to see something crazy. You want to see something that you don't see anywhere apart from at these big competitions. I mean, I think in terms of a of a group like that, like Brazil, just they're going to finish first. 
Yeah, I think the the more interesting comparison for me for second place, obviously we talked about Costa Rica. They're kind of unknown. Not unknown. They have the same veterans, but who knows how well they're going to be on the day of. They can Mm -hmm. sneak a result or they can be pretty bad. But between Switzerland and Serbia, I think Serbia really dominates that central midfield and the defense. And so they could grind out results that way by stifling teams. Mm -hmm. Whereas Switzerland uh, come out with a much better attack. I mean, they're well-organized defensively. But they have a couple of guys who can produce brilliant moments going forward, especially Shakiri on Stoke. Mm-hmm. Linked with um, uh, Liverpool at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's he had an amazing season for a terrible team. He's, mm-hmm. he's one of those fantasy gold type players who dominates on bad teams. And so yep. his price is low, but his output is really great. Um, and he can produce individual bits of brilliance completely out of the blue. And I think he's done it in major international tournaments in the past. And so yep. if he has one or two good games... All of a sudden, Switzerland are looking like they could get second place really, really pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's kind of what put him on everyone's radar and and got him his move to England uh, last World Cup because Switzerland yeah. Switzerland played really really well and and he played really really well at the time. He was, I think he was no, he wasn't Barcelona. He came through. No, no, no. Um, he was playing. No, some... no, he wasn't. I just remember Stoke buying a lot of Barcelona kind of rejects and then uh <laughs> becoming Chris and Stoke Alona. Yeah, when they brought Afalai that one season. <laughs> and Bojan and yeah. uh, a few others. But yeah, I, I, I think Switzerland and Serbia are the really interesting ones. It's just I remember how everyone wrote off Costa Rica at the last World Cup. Right. You never and, can. You never know. Um but who do you so let's let's put some picks down. Who do you think is coming out of this group? Brazil Serbia. I'm putting my 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 neck on the line for for Brazil Serbia. I think Serbia have got plenty of goals in them. Where, um, you know, you know, up front as as much as I joke about putting the golden boot on Mitrovic, um, you know, he, he scored a hat trick the other day. He's he's an incredible run of form just from dropping down a league to Fulham, who to shine in that team when they were scoring plenty of goals anyway um, is is quite a good job. With, with the players he's got behind him and the creative players and the solidity. Um, I think they'll do really, really well. Great. Uh, what about you, Stim Dog? Um, I'd probably go Costa Rica, I think. I thought they I, they impressed me as much as it galled me last World Cup. Oh, hell so, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go with Costa Rica. All right, cool. And I am going to take the third team there, and I'm going to say Brazil-Switzerland one too. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank fuck. We finally don't <laughs> agree on something. Yeah, finally. We'll see. Uh, we'll see who wins that. But none of us are passionate enough to argue against the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Serbia sounds good. Whatever. Who cares? It's Costa Rica could be Costa Rica. Yeah, I am. That that does make a good point. I'm kind of finding difficulty getting myself super amped up for at least the group stages mm-hmm. because there's no clear group of death. You know, we were kind of talking about D being that, but that's generous. It's more a group of mediocrity than anything else. Yeah. And all of the groups seem to have like one clear front runner and then a couple of teams that could kind of battle it out for second place, but not in a particularly exciting kind of way. Yeah. As much as we said about Group of D being a group of mediocrity, at the same time, it could easily be Argentina win every single game 3 0. Right. Exactly. However, we just have no real impetus to believe that they won't do that. I think. You know, if we if we move on to like Group F, it's a similar situation to Group E, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. We have Germany in there, going with Mexico and Sweden and South Korea. 
right? Yeah. So Germany, pre-tournament favorites, defending champions. People are saying they might be the first team to go back-to-back in forever, I think. Mm, right? Or in a very, very no, long time. No, I, th- I think Uruguay, the first two World Cups. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, in yeah, 32 yeah. and 36, right. they went one. Um, there's still that big conspiracy, or at least I don't know if you guys have ever heard about that, that since the since FIFA got brought in uh, in its current incarnation, since 19... I think since 62 until 2010, every World Cup alternated South America and Europe, every single one, until... Yeah, until it was Spain and then Italy. If you look back, it's something... I, I remember a teacher at school who was... He was a bit nuts, but always telling us it was a bit of a conspiracy theory. And then I looked into it and realized, like, yeah, it was since, like, the formation of FIFA in its current form. I'm pretty sure since 62, it's alternated uh, South America and Holy Europe. shit, yeah, you're right. Yeah, until until Spain and then Italy and then, and then Germany. Germany. So the yeah. last the last three have all been Europe. So never noticed that before. That's fascinating. Yeah, something to think about. Conspiracy theories with Chuck. Right. Here. <laughs> oh, love conspiracy theories. That runs in Your my family. Your podcast. Yeah, starting next week, we're miles offside, where we talk about every conspiracy you've ever heard and some that you haven't. Conspiracies like Oscar supporting Germany. Um. <laughs> in Chuck's conspiracy uh, corner. Yes, you're like in this group very much, then, Oscar for Germany. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I think I do think it's a strong group. Um, mm-hmm. Any of those three teams could take points off Germany, but going into an international tournament, if you doubt Germany at all, you're kind of a crazy person because they're going to make the semifinals. They're probably going to make the final, and once they're in there, who knows what can happen? Right? Like, yeah. They are the most consistent international team. Tournament in, tournament out, every yeah. time. Um, we were talking about Spain and how Spain kind of lack an identity. I think mm-hmm. the German players and the German team know exactly who they are, exactly how to play for the team, and how to get a result out of that. When you look at, let's say, Sané getting dropped from the team. and Crazy. Tweeting the, yeah, big, big, big deal, and we'll definitely come back to that. But mm-hmm. tweeting the next day and saying, you know, I understand. It's a decision they made. Yeah. I have to stand by it. I'll go to the next World Cup. Come on, Germany, go do, do do us proud at this thing, mm. and compare that to like Jack Wilshire when he got yeah, left off of the off England squad. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say Jack Wilshire, or the fact that we're debating whether Jake Livermore should go, and Germany <laughs> are just <laughs> dropping. Sad state of affairs. Germany are dropping Leroy Sané, who I think if you combine his goals and assists for Man City last year is approaching thirty. They drop Andre Schürrle who has been phenomenal and scored two goals in that game against Brazil. And they dropped Mario Goetze, who scored the goal that won them the World Cup last time. Like, for fuck's sake, this team is ridiculous. Fever's dipping a little bit, Chuck. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) When you can drop the assist and the goal for the winning goal to win the whole World Cup last time, that's pretty crazy. And it's not like they're old. They didn't age out. No. No, I mean, I think at the time, Goetze was one of the youngest people in the World Cup because there was something around the time that the the English magician uh, Dynamo predicted on national TV something about... He predicted loads of things about the World Cup and one of them was that the youngest player, registered player at the tournament, would score the winning goal. And um, so I think Goetze was probably like 18. And Schürrle at the time was 23. So, so even now, it's like 22 and 27... 
that's crazy, as you said, to, to drop the assist and the goal scorer from the World Cup final for this one. It just shows the strength and depth they have. That's yeah, why they're insane. a terrifying team. Terrifying. I love it. I love, love, love it. Um, one of the storylines I'll be keeping an eye on is if Muller keeps up or repeats the performances he's had in the last two World Cups, mm-hmm. he could conceivably break the all-time World Cup goals record, which was just broken at the last World Cup by Miroslav Klose. But Muller, two golden boots in a row. Um, he didn't get the last one. James Rodriguez got the last one with six. All right. That's why he got his... I think Muller got five. Yeah, that's right. Scored, I think he scored five in the last two World Cups. I think he's on ten. Okay, um, that sounds right. Yeah, and similar. He's, what, like 27, 28? So he's still got like this World Cup and probably another World Cup in him. Oh, yeah, he definitely has at least one more. He is 28. So yeah, he'll be 32 at the next World Cup. Like, he's totally fine for the next World Cup. Just goes to show you why the Mannschaft are so terrifying. Yeah, I think their starting 11 is better than Chelsea's starting 11, which is terrifying because they're an international team. Mm-hmm. Because they have, uh, their defense is really good, too. And ahead of Neuer, they have Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng, yep. who are two of the best center backs in the world. I think the only center back pairing that's better than them was the Spanish one we talked about. And then they have Joshua Kimmich uh, at right back, and he is looking like a good successor to Philip Lam in terms of being oh, able huge. to attack, but just being so good on defense as well. Huge. Kimmich, Kimmich um, pretty much replaced him for the last Euros. And considering how much they were worrying about Lam, because Lam was kind of the oldest player, I remember, at that tournament. And even it was he was very much at that kind of borderline age. I think he was about 32 or so where they weren't sure if they were going to drop him or not. So there was kind of big controversy because I think he was Germany captain as well. Yeah, he was. Um, he was the last captain. Yeah. And and Kimmich just came in and all your worries just kind of went away. Like the kid's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, as you said, you've got him, Boateng, Mats Hummels and uh, Jonas Hector. Again, just solid, solid, solid back four. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about Tony Cruz and Mesorozo. Like, that's how ridiculous Germany is. Right? Think about that. Compare that to, well, we'll get to England in a minute, but they're just Jordan so Henderson. up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I said it earlier, Jake fucking Livermore, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, we could we could fill out another hour easy just talking about this Germany team. Um, yeah, I, I think so it's good. fairly safe to say between myself and you and probably Ian that, that I mean they're my choice to win it same well they're always my choice to win it every world cup when I fill out a bracket because I have to but this time I think I'm probably right yeah and if we just pivot to Mexico um they have Germany in the first match and that's a rematch of 2006 when they were in the same group as each other um you know I think Mexico think very highly of themselves coming out of CONCACAF um, but I don't know that they're nearly as good as they actually think they are um, they have a lot of older players a lot of aging players uh, who have gone past the peak of their powers one very notable example of that would be Javier Hernandez or Chicharito mm. um, or Chicharito as the announcers in England love to call him Jesus Christ. Chicharito uh, Chicharito, who um, oh, we'll say that again. Couldn't Oscar. even. Oh yeah, you like that one? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 let me get my uh, my nice voice on. 
Chicharito. Oh, I'm Ooh, over the there edge. it is. There it is. Which uh, way does the tortilla get folded if you order one of those? <laughs> uh, long and to like, the left. <laughs> um, yeah, what was I, I saying? I, oh, West Ham. Uh, he can't yeah. even break into the West Ham squad. <laughs> no. Um, and they have a lot of other players that are, I think, on the way down in terms of the momentum of their club careers. Uh-huh. And so I don't. I think most people would probably have Mexico as the number two team in this group, um, but I worry for them quite a bit. Yeah, the the big contrast. So, so you say like Mexico with being a, a team of players kind of on the wane or, or aging is kind of completely contrary to Sweden, who have gone with a massively young squad and have excluded um, Mr. Football himself, Zlatan who he said he retired and then kind of threatened saying he was coming back. But then the coach kind of went, no, you're not coming back. Yeah, I enjoyed like, that. I'm like keeping... it was his decision. Yeah, exactly. Like good on him. Like, no, this is the group of players that have worked hard and, and got into this World Cup. Um, so you don't deserve to just be shoehorned in because you've never been to a World Cup before. Like you had your, your chance. So, And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Ewing theory. There's a very popular American sports writer named Bill Simmons who came up with this a long time ago um, in honor of Patrick Ewing, who used to play in the NBA for the New York Knicks. Yeah. Um, and the theory basically goes he that when... Space Jam. I know him. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That what uh, a classic film. Touchstone. You're welcome, Dick. <laughs> the Ewing theory goes that when you have a player who's almost too big but never actually has any major success in terms of trophies, that the season after they get cut or they retire... Even though that team is lacking their superstar, they can actually go on to have really good performances and go to win um, win trophies and stuff. So the, the example being when Ewing finally retired, he was the dominant personality and the dominant force in that Knicks team. And everyone was saying after he retired that they were going to be terrible. And they actually went very far that season and did very, very well. Mm. Um, and I think Sweden have a similar situation going on. I think they finally managed to get out from under the shadow of Zlatan. Um, and they were smart enough not to bring him back because I do think that they don't have the names that they used to, but they're gelling as a squad really, really well. Uh, and I could easily see them surprising everybody in this group and making it to the next round. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, I agree. With, I'd, I'd never heard of it being specifically called the Ewing theory before, but I, I completely buy into that. That sometimes that there can be someone who is just overshot and focused about on on so much that once they're gone, the whole team kind of goes right now is my time, and they and they just perform. You know, we've said we said last time out about how how much of an impact you can make, especially at a, a major tournament like this where it's all or nothing. Being a team that plays together um, and 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 has a a complete concise game plan and goal in mind so yeah a bit of the uh iceland at the euros going into it where they have not that many big players but they all fight for the shirt and they really work together as a unit well i don't know iceland had the big man sig thorson so <laughs> <laughs> south korea um hung min son the only person that comes to mind when i think of that and uh ki sung young who i always confuse the, their names are so similar um, they were pretty bad in qualifying, from what I was reading. Um, they've got some attacking ability. They're pretty fast, but they will not really do much by the way of defense. I think they'll get fourth place in this group. What do you think? What's going to be the? Give me the four in order for this group. 
Uh, I will go. You know what? You've you've swayed me on the Sweden thing. I'll go Germany, Sweden, Mexico, South Korea. All right. And Simmers? Yeah, I'd agree with that. You had a theory. I love the work of ABBA. I enjoy IKEA stuff. <laughs> Sign me up. All right, and I'll go Germany, Mexico. Flat pack World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Not Germany and Mexico. Obviously, Germany, Sweden for me too. So right back to agreeing with each other a little bit too much. Uh, I think that wraps up part one. So we're going to hit a break right now. And when we come back, we'll look at groups G and H. See you in a bit. Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast with me, Chuck. Uh, we got Oscar on the other line and producing Ian Stimson here as ever. Say hi, Ian. Always. Always. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. There we go. Um, so we're going to we're gonna crack on now. We've already spoken about six of the eight groups. And going into Group G, which might be a bit of a sore subject or something that we could easily talk about for the next four weeks, England... Belgium, Panama, Tunisia. Oscar, what are your what are your first thoughts when you see this group? Uh, I think Belgium. As much as I'm talking to two English guys, Belgium are very exciting. I'm very very curious to see what they do at this World Cup because nothing would surprise me. They could make the final. They could go out at the group stage. They are all over the place in terms of their possibilities. I think that they could very well be the best team at the World Cup, mm. or they could very well flop completely they're in the classic uh golden generation situation where you know a lot of big players and we'll see if they can actually get it done um do you want to get belgium out of the way before we hop over to england uh yes definitely um the the, the problem is with with belgium for this world cup is is now when i when i talk about it because they're in the same group as england it's going to seem like i'm talking down about them because england are in the same group but I just think for so long there were those idiots going, you know who my dark horses are for the World Cup? Oh, God. Belgium. Yeah. And, and you know, all the Euros when Belgium were ranked like third in the world and, and destroying everyone. I think Belgium, uh, granted, obviously, there's Panama and Tunisia in that group, so there's no reason why they shouldn't get through. I just don't think Belgium will do that much again. I, th- I think it's the, the overhype and the ridiculously good players that are just kind of shoehorned in. And... Uh, Roberto Martinez, do you have any faith in him being able to create a cohesive unit? Uh, not a cohesive unit, but he can definitely put some goals in the back of the net for his teams. Mm. Um, he's always been shaky at the back, but they are going to be so delicious going forward with Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Mertens, just creating and creating and creating. Jesus, when he says it like that, Chuck. Yeah. The, the, the only one that I think about now... You being, you being a Chelsea fan, Oscar, obviously you know Hazard a, lo- a lot better than I do. And the thing that I always see with Hazard is sometimes when the game isn't going right, he does take it by the scruff of the neck, but kind of takes everything upon himself. And you wonder if in that situation, especially when he does not need to because the class of players around him is phenomenal, uh, could that be a downfall? I mean, I, I think Lukaku, bearing in mind... Uh, how underwhelming Man United have been this year, even though they finished second. I think Lukaku could be a surprise potentially for the Golden Boot, even though it, it sounds stupid saying he's a surprise, but but based on going the difference from from maybe league perception to World Cup perception. But I, I just think that that Belgium team, unless it 
absolutely annihilates everybody will always come under so much criticism. I think that's definitely true. And I think a good example of that is Lukaku and the sort of reputation he has for being a flat track bully and not being able to show up in big games. And I think that for Belgium, he's been fantastic in big games for them. Um, and that's part of why their qualification was so good going through into uh, into the World Cup. And they're still ranked num- number three. Like we talk about their being hot going into the Euros and going hot into the last World Cup. They're still right up there with rank number three. Um, and I, what you were saying about Hazard definitely is something that has rung true in the past for Belgium. But I also think that in the past, uh, KDB or De Bruyne was not to the level that he has been this year. And I think De Bruyne coming off of his most dominant season ever and really hitting he's that... He's been fantastic this season. Absolutely. Mm. And he's been the metronome in the middle of Man City's ridiculously successful season and really controlling the game, setting the tempo, creating the chances, slowing it down to possession play when it needs to get slowed down. I think he'll be more confident to be able to take control of the Belgium team when it needs it and when the situation calls for that, that it won't, that he almost won't even give Hazard the option to take over everything and just kind of put it all on his own shoulders. Um, and I think that's going to be really big for them is having someone else who's equally capable of taking a game by the scruff of its neck and really de- demanding success from the players in front of him. Just yeah. pinging in those passes for those three guys up front. Yeah, I mean, especially based on this season with Pep, where where De Bruyne, to a lot of people's kind of chagrin early on, be, being pushed further back into the field, into that kind of almost a defensive midfielder role. Not necessarily the one kind of playing like Kante, who has to win the ball back, but playing off of that that kind of ball winner to them pinging balls. Um, he's just been phenomenal. To and it's weird that it again it's weird that it's a surprise because we've known he's a phenomenal player. Maybe no one at Chelsea knew he was a phenomenal <coughs> player, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's just incredible. So I wonder if will Martinez play him in the same position? Has he been playing in the same position, or will he end up with a similar kind of system or situation? Sorry, to Argentina, where You've got so much up front that where do you put them? Where 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 do you keep them in and, and, and keep them so that they're effective at, at what they do? Yeah, from what I've seen, they've been playing the Christmas tree formation with Mertens and Hazard right in behind Lukaku. Um, but I do think they'd be even better with a 4-2-3-1 with Hazard and Mertens kind of pushed out wide. Even though Mertens usually plays a center forward, I think he's very capable of coming in from wide, cutting in and scoring goals. Yeah, I think that's then, where he's played for Belgium before. Yeah, that's, but for that's his how club, I knew of Mertens. Yeah, for his club though, he's a center forward in Italy, and he tears up that league. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can put De Bruyne in that central, sort of number ten spot in the four two three one, I think that would suit them very well. Um, but yeah, they do have a bit of the France or Argentina situation where it's where do we put all these good attackers? Yeah, definitely. The um, opposite of that being. <laughs> England <laughs> nice segue to getting yeah. us to talk about the thing that I don't want to talk about um, <laughs> just quickly but not to delay it anymore uh, if Belgium don't make the final Martinez gets sacked yeah like, oh yeah big time for that sure. is just it um, oh really yeah I reckon he's yeah. pissed off a lot of people I think 
Um, so mm-hmm. now with his bold team selection here, with with leaving out kind of Nangolan and some favourites, and saying he wouldn't pick players that didn't play in the top five leagues in Europe, but then picking Axel Axel Witzel who plays in China, and the right. NASA Chadley who just got relegated, and well Benteke was in the last twenty eight, um, and yeah, just some weird things. But anyway, England. Oh God! You can avoid it as much it. as you want. Fuck it! I'm gonna have to say, talk about I'm, it. I'm gonna say it now. England win the group. Ooh, wow! Wow! I'm putting it out there. I reckon one of Panama and Tunisia. One of them they win one nil. One of them they draw, and then somehow England beat Belgium by two goals. Wow! That's it. That is that's, that's incredible takes. predictions. Yeah, red hot. Yeah, and that's why I've got World Cup fever, and I'm so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I did not I with your pessimism Chuck I did not see that coming uh, I've been properly fucking sucked in see I see I see a 1-0 Tunisia 1-0 Panama and us going into the Belgium game not needing anything but uh, top in the group yeah I, I reckon Fuck it happens me, somehow crazy. yeah it is crazy and that's just what happened I mean uh, <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there are some really uninspiring choices in that England squad. Uh, however, I think because, and simply because this time, there is there are so little expectations on that squad, apart from the only expectation being, if you'll pardon the horrific pun, that the media wants to shoot Raheem Sterling down. Um <laughs> uh, Which I think, anyway, I don't know if you've seen the coverage to the same extent in, in, oh, in the have. US... But, yeah, the way he gets slated every week is, is just horrific. Um, but I just think this will be the time that England kind of go, you know what, let's give them something to actually be hopeful for, for the next time when we're going to let them down massively. Well, do you want to know my uh, my take on this? Go. I think you're not going to be too pleased, but I think it's going to be Belgium and Panama. I think, no. I think England are going out oh at the group stage. Oh, my God. Yep, Ooh. I'll put it down right now. Are you only saying that because Panama beat out the U.S.? Or? Yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> That's what I want to see happen. No, and I do think that they can surprise some people. Like they just need to take a point off England. You're insane if you think England are going to beat Belgium. Out of your mind. Well, yes. Um. Categorically, yes. And maybe I've been drinking today. Who knows, Oscar? But I, I, and I just don't. I have this just weird feeling that that is what's going to happen. And, and I, I don't see how when, you know, albeit only in friendlies, but if England can hold off Brazil and Germany uh, and, not, <laughs> and not concede to them. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be uh, I'll be on the German squad next time around. Right. <laughs> oh, boy, Chuck, you are in for a rough few weeks, my friend. Yep. I have fully been sucked. In. And I, I kind of setting myself up for a fall by going for it. But um, yeah, I do. Uh, like it does feel different this time though. Like Southgate seems to be aligning them with the media a little bit more. It it does some it some it feels different. And I I'm a big pessimist to be honest. I like I said last time I enjoyed watching the last World Cup without any expectation. Yeah. But I'm feeling this one a little bit more, yeah. and I didn't think I would because I was uh, thinking I'm a grizzled old England fan who can't even be bothered to watch friendlies anymore. But yeah, I, I do. I do fancy this one. We should probably leave it there on the group uh, 
performance. We'll talk later about how far we think they're going to get. Yeah, but I, I just think the the only thing I do think is weird is that I do question um, Southgate on is saying you know his whole thing of I'm going to pick players who are playing for their squads and then takes Danny Rose. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. yeah. Although I don't think he'll be starting. I think Ashley Young is going to start on the left wing back. Yeah. I think, I think what England do have going for them, uh, if I'm going to say the positives about them, is that they don't, for the first time in a long time, have a aging star whose ego they need to stroke and Correct. somehow manage a way to put them into yeah, the lineup. Yep. You think back to 2010 and Steven Gerrard was the captain and they shoehorned him in and he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then last time around you had an aging Rooney and they found a way to play him, and he took literally the worst corner kick I've ever seen. <laughs> or he just went straight out into the stands. And this time they have an actually exciting young squad. I don't feel like they're trying to force the issue on any old stars. You know, maybe Gary Cahill, they want to have that veteran presence in defense. But Which he's not a superstar. That's not a bad thing, though, is that it? Way, yeah. That makes way more sense than having sort of an attacking player that you can that is going like, right, let's build the team around that person and give the ball to him. Um, you've you've kind of got. Yeah, I, I think you've you've kind of nailed it that you you don't have that. You don't have. There's there's no one that I think in particular that the hopes are pinned on, or you think that's the person that's going to drag us through or whatever. There's there's so many active debates, be they the kind of negative side or or be they the positive of right. Who do you play? Well, you've got to play Kane and Vardy. Oh well, you've got to play Kane. Oh well, Vardy should come off this or or wherever. Whereas actually, in a positive way, that you're like actually, look at it. That means there are options. That means that there can be a plan B. That means there doesn't have to be. Um, and it saddens me, you know, with with Roy Hodgson, considering for me this season, especially the incredible things he's done with Palace and building the game, that he doesn't just end up playing players for the sake of playing them. Like having, you know, Vardy on one wing and I think Adam Lallana on the other. Um, even though Lallana did, it ended up doing an incredible job, but just weird formations again and, and playing names for the sake of playing names. I think this time Southgate will kind of bring it right back and say, no, this is what we're doing. Even though he's starting to get them to play out of the back, which means that every time John Stones gets the ball, the bottom is going to drop out of my world. But well, I, I do think they kind of have to do that, though, because their central midfield is so bad. Like Eric Dyer and Jordan Henderson are their two best options in central mid. Yeah. And so you kind of have to bypass the central midfield to get it up to the attackers. I think their best strategy is going to be to sit back, let teams come on to them, press aggressively up front because those guys have a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. But once it goes past that, drop deep. And then ping balls forward into space for Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, who's lightning fast, Jesse Lingard or Jamie Vardy, whoever one of them is playing on the left. You know, you got Deli Alley up there. I think they are like a worse version of Tottenham. I think they're going to put that on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) It says that on the back of the shirts, we are a worse version of Tottenham. England, Tottenham, but shitter. Well, because, yeah. I mean, they don't have Vertonghen in the back to play those long passes. No. Um, but, so they're going to have to go with John Stones to do that. But I do think that they can attack up the sides really well. And you look at their players, there's lots of little groups of players that play with each other already, which I think is going to be really good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Trippier and Kane and Ali who play for Tottenham together. You have Lingard and Ashley Young, who play at Man United together. Oh, and D- Dyer in there, too, for the Tottenham in the middle. Yeah, Rashford. Um, 
for United. Rashford, as well. if he plays, is on United. I think you have you know Sterling and Walker on the right side play mm-hmm. together, and I think you have a lot of players who know each other and will be able to play those passes in quickly behind to create some chances. And once you're creating chances for Harry Kane, he's going to put some goals on the back of the net. Yep. Yeah, in theory. I mean, that's that's the, that's the only thing as well. It's it's wondering what exactly is going to happen because that's this is one of the main problems I have and why why international football bores me um, more in the friendlies kind of side. You know, as we've said many times to each other, you know, the the international break from Premier League where it's just discordant and and every game is a different formation, every game is a different squad. I literally have no idea how we're going to play or what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know whether that kind of lowers my hopes or increases my hopes because it's, uh, I don't know. It's if I was putting money down, I'd think that they would do well against good teams, but they're not going to know what to do with Tunisia and Panama, who are also going to try to sit back. Mm. And so there's not going to be space for those attackers to run into. And that central midfield and those defenders are not good enough to play possession, right? And so that when they need to play that possession game and break down teams that are playing defensively, yep. there's no one there to do that for them. I guess you hope that Deli Ali just plays out of his mind, or Jordan Henderson goes back to being the player he was before he went to Liverpool. But for the most part, they don't know how to. I don't think they're going to do well against teams that sit back. And so that's why I think they're going to get knocked out of the group is because they might take points off Belgium. Actually, sure, but they. I don't have any confidence in them to get results and certainly wins from Tunisia and Panama. I think those could be 0-0 draws, mm. that sort of game. Wow. Well, thanks for popping the, <laughs> popping the tire on my party bus, you prick. <sighs> sorry. I sorry, not to sorry. Be fair, no, 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 that makes perfect sense because my faith in England was completely irrational and thus your rational arguments have brought me a little bit down to earth. Look, I just want to see you guys be miserable because the U.S. isn't there. and so Dude, don't worry. England. Even at any time, we would be miserable because England there. England put you through the fucking mill, Oscar. They put you through the mill so much. And I, this is why I, you know, I don't follow them because I support Palace. I have a fucking enough of that roller coaster of <laughs> bullshit. I would much rather just be able to watch a game and go, you know what? I think we might win this. And then we win. And I can just go home happy with a boring 1-0, 1-0 win. uh, I still think England win the fucking group, though. Fuck you. (laughs) You know what? They'll win the group in 2022. Because I think these young guys will have played together for that many more years. And I think that they'll be at, like, really prime age. Is that going to be the golden generation? No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just ask David Beckham about that. Yeah, the golden shower. Um, What? (laughs) Didn't even make sense. Let's get our picks in. So you guys are going... Chuck, where are you going? I'm going David Beckham and Victoria Beckham have not been married for years. Oh, sorry. Sorry. This is Chuck's the conspiracy corner. Yeah, is, yeah, is later. Sorry. <laughs> I got mixed up between the World Cup and the conspiracy uh, podcast. Uh, England, one. Belgium, two. And that's not just the score for that game. That's the <laughs> group stage predictions. I'm going England first. Like I said. Stimmers, are you feeling that brave? You have an England at one? I, I'm not feeling that brave. I think I think, do think we'll go through, but it's Belgium, England for me. All right. I mean, that's fair. Those are the overwhelming odds-on favourites to do it. I think yeah. uh, the website I saw had Eng- Belgium at 91% and England at 86%. So that's yeah. dominantly strong. But I'm still going to go. I still got to go Belgium and 
I don't know if it'll be Tunisia and Panama, which one of them gets the points off England. Uh, I'll go with Panama just for the sense of cosmic justice that they're the ones that knock out the US or they knock out England also. So I'm going to go Belgium, Panama. If you're going for Panama to qualify, it's nine to one. Nine to one odds just for them to qualify. They are the least favorites in that group. So yeah. stick, a, stick a tenner on that. You get a hundred back. Ooh, that'd be pretty so, good. Yeah, it's worth a punt. Why but... don't you put that down for me and then I'll get it, pick it up from you next time I'm in England. Okay, yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, I can see myself oh, doing that. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, imagine definitely... that. Oh, I feel so dirty. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I've bet against England before. It doesn't matter. There are no allegiances. Right. The gambler speaks. Yes. Uh, group H. Yeah. Group H. Similar, again, to um, kind of Group D. This this one is, is kind of is fairly open. Um, they're, they're, you know, there are two teams in, in Poland and Colombia that you think quality wise, um, should have enough to go through, um, and probably will, um, as uh, I think so, but, you know, Senegal have shown at major tournaments before they can do a good job. Japan have. So what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I think you, you said it right. Colombia and Poland, um, Senegal being a sort of shout for third there. Uh, I'm very excited to see this group because there's no dominant team in there. And there's all of these teams are going to be, I think, fun to watch um, as opposed to like group D, was it, where there was a lot of boring defensive teams, right? Uh, and so they were all kind of yeah. evenly matched. Yeah, potentially with Iceland. Yeah, Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. Uh, um, yeah, that, that might have been the one. I don't remember what we said last week, but there was one team in the first four, one group in the first four where it was all boring defensive teams. This one is kind of the opposite. These are all very exciting teams, attacking teams. Um, you know, just listing off the names, you got Robert Lewandowski at Poland, who is probably the best number nine in the entire world right now. Um, pure number nine, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got James Rodriguez at Colombia, who hasn't been, hasn't lived up to the expectations he set at the 2014 World Cup. No. But he's still... <laughs> Super, super talented, super good. Um, he was on loan at Bayern this season. He's on a he's he's on the weird uh, two year loan. Yep, but he's then like he the put only in a person I've request. ever heard of that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh wow. And That's... he had seven goals and eleven assists in twenty three appearances, which you know eighteen combined. Twenty three. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. No, and I know he's playing for Bayern, but still, he's contributing. Hmm. Um. I could see him very well going for a massive run for Colombia and then pushing for another transfer again and kind of using this as a springboard to relaunch his <laughs> career. Um, but Colombia were the team that had all the fun dances that made it into FIFA as the celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, they got Juan Cuadrado also just bolting down the wing. He's one of the fastest players I've ever seen. No longer plays for Chelsea again. Yep. yep. No longer Goodbye. plays for Chelsea. So he's due to be the best player in the <laughs> Premier League next year, probably. <laughs> right? He can join uh, De Bruyne. And Lukaku, and Chelsea else. B team. Do we have time, we have time for the Chelsea B team? Oh. Yeah, oh boy, Juan Mata, Mosala, all these players that are great. Better job. Um, <laughs> Senegal, Senegal have some good players too. They do. I mean, they have the Koulibaly, which is the center back from Napoli. Yep, he's real good. They outscored opponents fifteen to five in qualifying. Okay, so that's a big. You know, if you're scoring three goals for every one that you concede, that's 
not bad at all. Oh, I mean, Sadio Mane. I mean, I mean, yeah, I was just about. I was literally just there about to say they've got this guy uh, Mane. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Ronaldo joke I made last week, but I actually forgot this time. Yes. Yeah, Sadio Mane. He's so like. There's so many exciting attacking players in this group. Yeah, Kuyate. Um, you already said Koulibaly. Um, yeah, Kuyate at West Ham. Who? Oh, I see West Ham again. I'm saying much, but he's still a good player. Same for Diafra Sacco, uh, who's moved on. Uh, it's just a gay in the midfield who's a great player actually I, th- I think he just doesn't get as, as many plaudits as someone uh let's say Kante or um other other kind of those those defensive midfielders who who win every ball I think I think last not last season but the season before when Kante won um player of the year it's just a gay in terms of stats actually outperformed him on pretty much everything tackles interceptions yeah his per 90 stats are through the roof Mm. through the roof he's much better than the amount of minutes that he gets playing for his clubs um and so senegal could easily make some noise and beat poland or colombia to that top side the only team really i don't see doing much is japan um they've got shinji kagawa but he's old now yeah um they have shinji okazaki who's also old now and (laughs) kaisuke honda who is also Also old old now yeah they're all in their 30s i believe so there's not much that they'll do. They're going to try to defend a counterattack, probably. Um, but against these teams, I don't see them doing it. But the other three teams, like, it's a crapshoot as to who will even win it. Colombia are the favorites um, because they just have the most names, I think, if we're looking at the betting. Like, they have um, the guys that we talked about in attack, but they also have uh, Davinson Sanchez at yeah. the back, who's only 21, but he's already playing for Tottenham week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's straight into my World Cup fantasy team. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go for him actually. Who was? I mean, first name on the team sheet, Mitrovic again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no England players for me, even though I just said I think they win the group. <laughs> and who else do I go for? Griezmann, uh, Thomas Muller. Yeah, oh, we'll have a... we'll have to talk fantasy in our next episode, I think, or we'll take it off air. But I want to hear about your starting eleven. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll send it to you later. Don't worry. But it's still very much up in the air. Definitely. Um, um, I think this could be the highest scoring group. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of like four-four type matches in here. Yeah, easily. I mean, if you if you just look at the betting odds, um, so you were saying before, you've got Colombia um, eleven to eight, which considering you've so you've got no one at less than even odds. Which just shows how how much, like you said, of a crapshoot this this league, uh, wow. this group can be. So yeah. Colombia eleven to eight, Poland seven to four, Senegal nine to two, and Japan fifteen to two. So Japan are the obviously favourites to not to qualify, but when you when you're not even below evens to to win the group, um, it just shows how kind of especially between those first three teams, Poland, Senegal, and Colombia. I, I think you're right. I think it could be a very, very exciting group and uh, anything could happen. You know, if you've got a guy that can score, how many goals did Lewandowski score off the bench that time? when he Five. Eight minutes, five goals. There five in like so, 10 minutes or something yeah, insane? Came off the bench in like the 80th minute and scores five fucking goals. Um, anything can happen. Yeah, the, the statistical models I was looking at had Colombia at 67%, Poland at 64 and Senegal at 40 um, And I think that might oh, be wow. underselling Senegal. Yeah, and this I is to so. win the group, not even to make it through. That's to win the group. Oh, wow. So when the third favorite is 40% to win the group, 
like that model just had no idea what to do with those teams because they're all so even the match. I think this is going to be a very, very exciting group. I have all of those matches circled in my calendar. Um, especially Senegal, Colombia on the last day because Poland will assume that they're going to take the points against Japan, mm-hmm. and especially with Lewandowski. And I think that Colombia and Senegal are going to battle it out to see who the other team to make it through, whether they win the group or come in second in that last spot. Yeah, I definitely hope so, just for it to to mean something, those games, because you, you, you always hate seeing those games where it's the last one and potentially have everything to play for, but it, it, it ends up meaning nothing. Everything is said and done and, and worked out, you know, kind of kind of like how the last game of the season with the Premier League has been for the last few years, um, where it's just, it's done and you, and you think, oh, you get to watch all these games happening live and at the same time, but it ends up being a bit of a damn squib. Um, so yeah, I definitely hope, especially this group, uh, and especially if, if the last games are, are Poland, Japan and Senegal, Colombia, like that could be an absolute riot to watch those games. Yeah. I'm June 28th, 10 a.m. Eastern for all the American listeners. That's 3 a.m. 3 p.m. over there. Yeah, 3 p.m. Uh, British summertime. Yeah. Gonna be a good day. Gonna be a good day. Um, so I think if I'm making picks, I'll go. You know what? Let's get fucking crazy. I'm gonna go set Senegal one. Yeah. Paul, no, Colombia two. Senegal one, Colombia two. Senegal. Uh, so I've got. I, I had it down before as Colombia and Poland. Uh, Colombia one, Poland two, but I mean, no, I'll I'll stick by that. I think Senegal will be great, and I think Senegal will be entertaining. But I just think Poland will, will be a bit more industrious and a bit more kind of shut down against them, uh, and manage to grind out just that extra extra point or or extra three points to hold on uh, that maybe Senegal can't. Great. And I think that wraps up the groups for us, which brings us to, uh, we're going to try a new segment out today. Um, do we have a name for this yet? I'm going to put a name down. No. I'm going to say it's uh, no. Stimmers' Corner. No, Ian's Corner. Ian's Corner. Ian's Corner. Ian, take us to your corner and have your way with us. <laughs> <laughs> Super weird. Um, <laughs> okay, we had a tweet from uh, our friend Johnny Worthington. Um, he said, if Sterling scores in the World Cup, is it wrong for Vardy to grab his leg with the gun tattoo and pretend to shoot at the opposition? <laughs> Chuck, I'll um, let you take that one. I want nothing to do with that question. Uh, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say that to you. Um, <laughs> it dep- I suppose it depends who he's aiming at. If he's, if he's, <laughs> if he's pointing it down the barrel of the sun, the sun journalist's uh, camera, then I'm yeah, all for a, it. Yeah, that's right down the oh, barrel like of the camera. That. Right down the barrel of the camera. Have you seen the Twitter thread of all the stories that are written about him that are like insane? Yes. Like Raheem yeah. Sterling goes out to breakfast. Can you believe it? Yeah, he goes out. He goes out and buys breakfast. Or oh my god, hundred and fifty k a week. Raheem Sterling buys house, luxury house for his mum. Be like, good on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Raheem he, Sterling there was buys one... luxury house for his sister. Like, good on him. <laughs> It'd be nice if they wrote what they really meant and said, "Oh, black man is richer than me, and I'm pissed off about it." <laughs> Ooh. Ian went there. Hey, I'm editing it. I'll cut it. Yeah, you are right. No, I like that. That's good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, what is what is wrong with a guy? Like, I I don't know about you guys, but I know if I ever if I ever won the lottery and 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 made something like the first thing I do is is give my parents a a shit ton of money. Yeah, I'm actually a billionaire. Did I not tell you guys that? 
No, oh, sweet. <laughs> that saves down on the production costs. Nope. I was going to say, can you buy me a better mic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we didn't really mention it, but we've got everything up and running now. So if you want to tweet us, then tweet us at milesoffsidepod on Twitter uh, or email us milesoffsidepod at gmail.com. Uh, it'd be good to get some interaction going. Uh, we want to hear from you about all these things to do with the World Cup, but I'll go with you guys first. Who's going to win it outright? Outright, who's going to win the World Cup? Outright. Oscar? Germany. Easy. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you can have the same answer. We can pick the okay. same people. Can, yeah. we, can we have the same answer? Yeah, Germany. Yeah. I'm going to go Brazil. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. I like that pick. They haven't won That's since 02, so it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. But I, I would go with um, a Germany-Brazil final. Yeah. Uh, Germany-France in the final. Yeah, Germany-France. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Brazil, uh, if they if they can if they can put that ghost to bed of, of focusing too much on, on Neymar's injury and, and what happened at the last World Cup, which was in their own backyard, like they can make the yeah. final. Um, I think they're going to bring it bring it together and kick kick against that. I think they're going to be on a mission. So yeah, that's that's my one two. What, so you've got uh, Oscar. You said France as runners up. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm pulling up my semifinals right now. I know I had France in the final against Germany, and I had France playing Belgium to get in there, and I had Germany beating Argentina to get in there. So a rematch of last mm. season's, uh, last year's final. I don't even have Brazil making the semis in mine. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, I had them getting knocked out by um, Belgium in the quarterfinals. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so who do you see, if, if you think Brazil are going to go out in the quarters, who do you guys see as your kind of team that everyone builds up, but most likely to kind of underperform? England. <laughs> oh, I already went there. Knife. Oh, like <laughs> a knife to the heart, that is. Oh, Jesus, I can tell I've got World Cup fever because that actually hurt. That <laughs> <laughs> did, physically hurt. Yeah. Um are you reckon England are going out in the groups? Okay. I think they're going out in the group stage, yeah. I think, um, to me, I think Belgium. I think Belgium are going to have the same overhype again. Um, yeah, I think I th- Belgium as well. I, I think they they go out round of 16. I think because they'll be playing whoever comes, well, based on my predictions of coming second in our group. Um, but either way, they're going to be playing either Poland, Senegal or Colombia, based on what we said. Um, I think it'll be Colombia and I think they'll just get edged because um, Colombia will just destroy uh, Eden Hazard the same way they did destroy Neymar. Ian, what, what do you think for most likely to underperform? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think Belgium never seen on the on the international stage them kick on and uh, yeah, it'd just be one one in the eye for those uh, hipsters who are always calling it the dark horse. So, Chick, yeah, you're going to be Belgium. so sad. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm not a hipster. Don't start this. Don't don't make me that guy. Please don't. You do it to yourself, man. You do it to yourself. Uh, right, whatever. Right. <laughs> How about the other way? Most likely to overperform. So your actual dark horses. Does Argentina count? Because they barely qualified and they're in a weird way. A disaster. Yes. Um, I know they made the final last time, but I think no one really has. I haven't heard anybody talking about them. Well, I'd go Poland, and I'm purely basing that on I think they'll qualify from Group H, and then I think they've got either Belgium or England or someone else. 
And I just I think that's a chance to kick on because I think out of the sort of top seeds or the second seeds, Belgium or England, I think there's a chance there for a smaller team to beat Belgium or England. So I think yeah. Poland could do something. Yeah, I'll go with that. I want I want to see Peru, uh, Peru go far, or or maybe Serbia. Um, the the only thing like I've noticed from uh, from the way the brackets are and potentially I'm working it out is that in in every quarter final you're going to have like one big team. So yeah. on uh, in one corner of the bracket you're going to have Brazil probably. In one corner you're going to have Germany. In another you're going to have Spain. In another you're going to have France. Um, and, and in the France one is also like Uruguay, Portugal, Argentina, um, Spain potentially have the easiest route to at least the semifinals. Them or Germany? Uh, yeah, yeah, Germany as well, actually. Um, cause I have Germany winning their group, then playing Costa Rica, then playing Colombia and then oh, being wow. in the semifinals. And I made some wonky picks in the groups there, but those groups aren't great. So. Yeah. What about uh, Stimmers? I think we had a question about the Golden Boot. Yeah, so who have you guys uh, got down for the Golden Boot? Well, I've said it already. Mitrovic. <laughs> Done. <laughs> You're not joking that. about that, huh? Odds on, I am not joking on that, simply because like, he scored a hat-trick the other day. He's major league. Uh, you know, he's going to be playing up front. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, Ooh, for you Serbia, you got some opinions today. Yep, might have been drinking. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> can score against Brazil, Switzerland, and Costa Rica could be, and it's mostly just based on the group stage more. Um, and it, it obviously it is more of a joke, uh, but I have put money on him, and I believe Mr. Mitrovic is one hundred and fifty to one. <laughs> so tenor on that. Loads of money back. Um, £1,510. So I am praying that will be a good World Cup. Uh, but realistically, I think Annie is the bookie's favourite, Neymar. Uh, I'm going to go Muller for me um, as a Germany fan, obviously. But also, I think he's going to be really motivated to get that, to try to catch closer. Put his name down so he doesn't have to do it when he's 30. Right? Or yeah. uh, at least get really close this time around so that if he does play in one more World Cup, he'll have a good shot of passing it. Mm. And he can also make a stupid attempt to do a front flip and, and fuck it up. <laughs> like Closer did. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I have that jersey, actually. The jersey he was wearing that day. I went, went out and bought it that night. Yeah. That didn't have an Asia trophy on it, did it? Did it? Nope, no Asia. <laughs> <laughs> no Asia trophy. But I do have a real problem with collecting jerseys. I think if I buy a few more, my wife's going to have a few choice words. To say to me. <laughs> All right. Well, Thomas Muller is currently at thirty-three to one. Ooh, uh, thirty-three. So that's not right. bad. So that's that's pretty good odds for him. Um, yeah. So Neymar is the favourite at nine to one. Uh, of course, you've then got Lionel Messi up there at ten to one. Griezmann at twelve. Timo Werner at fourteen. Fifth, Sir Harold of Kane. <laughs> You always, if you're looking at a British bookie, you always have to uh, add a yeah. few. Uh, oh onto yeah, that. definitely. It's going to yeah, be hard for him to get the golden boot just out of three group stage matches. <laughs> Easy, Oscar. <laughs> when we beat Tunisia nine nil, and I come over there and shove it in your face. <laughs> that's the uh, that's our preview for the World Cup. 
How are we feeling in terms of fever right now? Are we uh, on a scale of one to ten? Oscar? I'm a full ten right now. I got full ten. Yeah? raging World Cup fever. <laughs> I'm glad you said fever. <laughs> yeah, just, just the fever, though. Stimmers, what are we saying? Well, I'm high about Group H now. I'm properly looking forward to that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go raging, full rage with Oscar. I'm up, I'm up to a ten. I'm already. I'm, I'm gonna finish this and write down dates for games and start booking days off work. Um, I've I've fully come down with World Cup fever. Um, so yes. So that's us. That's us for our World Cup uh, preview shows. Uh, we will be coming back probably after the first few rounds of games, uh, just to have a little bit of a chat and see how things have gone on, and generally shoot the shit and be a bit more free form. Yeah, definitely going to get a little less structured. Not a lot less structured, but a little less structured going forward. A little less structured, a little more loose. But if say. you have enjoyed the first two episodes, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. Send us a nice word on Facebook or on Twitter. Ian will have those handles for you, easy to find. Uh, and tell a friend. You know, we're a growing podcast. We have we did pretty well with the first episode, at least in terms of where we wanted to go, but we want to keep growing. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, we, we, we've all kind of said, uh, you know, thank you to all of you guys because, you know, putting a podcast out for after one day and, and getting to like 100 downloads, which is is super cool. Like, uh, Yeah, Oscar's got a big family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So much so you wanted to ruin the memory on your phones by downloading it. So so thank you, all, all you guys. Thank you very much. Um, so without further ado, we'll, we'll see you after the start of the World Cup. So bye from Oscar. Bye from Oscar. It's bye from Ian. See you later. And it's bye from myself, Chuck. Take care, guys. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.